0: What do these verses mean for me? You know, the accusation that we are self-obsessed. Well, tonight, the attention must not be on ourselves. The attention here, as we look at this passage of Scripture, it must be on heaven. Why? Well, because in these verses, there is much that we learn about ourselves but there's much that we learn about the god that we worship that we serve and that we adore much about god's verses so if you have please turn with me to genesis 21 and let's consider three things let's consider three great truths about god that we learn here three great truths about god here's the first one we see here in this section of scripture Uh, the trustworthiness of god okay god can be trusted the trustworthiness of god now um i'm sure you can remember what this time of year is like for kids can't you i'm sure if if you cast your mind back you can remember what it was like to sort of get out of school for the first day of your summer holiday do you remember what that was like school was finished you were you know it was tremendous it was an amazing day well it's that sort of joy i guess that we've got here in genesis 21 isn't it because for so long now we've kind of been waiting for this portion of scripture haven't we i mean for ages we've been waiting for what we're looking at tonight this birth of isaac i mean think about that we've been in genesis for a for a while now and this, I suppose, this offspring promise was made way back in Genesis chapter 12. That was a long time ago. You know, and since then, a lot has happened. And we've kind of been on tender hooks, and there's been delay after delay after delay. But now, do you see? Tonight, it's here. You know, tonight, Sarah's what we told, she's pregnant, she gives birth at last to the child of promise. And, and so much of what we've seen together over the last number of weeks kind of comes to a head in that first section of scripture that you've got there in front of you remember all that talk of circumcision kind of comes to a head here in the circumcision of the promised child, does not it? And then all that talk and naming we had again kind of comes to a head Isaac is the name of the promised child so we're seeing anything we're seeing that tonight is the night today is the day you know the child is here but really what is emphasized by the author here is that this event that we're looking at this birth of isaac what's emphasized here is that this birth was always absolutely sure Do you see, I mean, what's emphasized, what what Moses says here, basically, is this was always going to happen. This was certain. There is an emphasis on the reliability of God. Do you see how that is emphasized in the text? If not, I'll tell you what we'll do. If your Bibles are open, I'll read, what will I read? I'll read the first two verses You follow through the first two verses with me. Remember, we're thinking about the certainty of God's promise here. Let me read it. It says, first one, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Then we get into verse two. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham at the very time that God had promised. Do you see? Like over and over and over again, like three times there, what have we got? We've got the certainty. We've got the author saying, look, this was, this was going to happen, you know. God had promised this. God had said this by his word. This was the birth of Isaac. It was always, always, always going to happen. Now that might mean, of course, that this promise had to be waited for. I'll try to do the maths this week i think it's about 25 years think about that 25 years between the promise to abraham of the offspring and the actual birth here 25 years get this god does fulfill his promises but he does so only in his perfect timing doesn't he like i suppose think about it like this think about it this way you know, we've got a few students in the congregation tonight and a few students that are sort of connected with the congregation. And I suppose in the old school way of things, what would be happening is about this time of year you might be buying an academic diary. Probably redundant now. But, you know, an academic diary, something that doesn't go from January and all the way around, but something that goes from, from you know, August all the way around for, for 12 months. Now, by the nature of an academic diary, you buy it, and it's blank, isn't it? Otherwise, you'd be complaining. You know, it's, it's, it's blank, except for a few important dates that are stamped in there by the manufacturer. You know, that you buy the academic diary, and it's a blank except for the fact that a few national holidays. And important dates are, are stamped in there. They are absolutely in there. There's no moving them. Well, do you see, sometimes that is how God's promises work. That there are dates that are set in stone, you know? Dates for the, their fulfillment that are absolutely embossed and enshrined. I mean, that's, that's what, what happens here with Isaac. You know, there's so much that's taken place and so much has been uh, uncertain. Maybe, but this day that we're reading off tonight, it was always, always going to happen. I mean, think about it. God appears to Abraham and Sarah and says, 12 months from this day, Isaac's going to be born. A year from now, this is going to happen. What do we read here? Sarah bore a son to Abraham at the very time that God had promised okay note this as well we're seeing that God's promises are certain we're seeing that sometimes there is a date absolutely set in stone for their fulfillment but notice well these promises they also bring with them almost unimaginable joy now, it's a sad day for the congregation in some ways because we are losing Ki Won Lee and he is going back to uh, Korea tomorrow. Now, Ki um, has been staying at our house for, for the last few nights. And one night, Key and I stayed up chatting for a wee while and we were talking about language. And Key had a question for me. Key, if I'm embarrassing you, I'm sorry, but you're going. So there's not much you can do. Uh, he had a question for me. He, he said, Andy, you know, uh, getting grasped with the English language, but there's one expression that I can't quite get my head around. Andy, what on earth does it mean when somebody says that they are over the moon? You know, it's a fair point, you know, because it's a bit of a bizarre expression but i was able to tell him of course over the moon you know it's an expression of great delight in fact it's an expression isn't it of such joy such joy that you almost can't quite believe it well isn't that what we've got here as well with sarah is that i mean again as has happened so many times already in the previous chapters what's mentioned laughter is mentioned here But do you see that the type of laughter has changed? Like we've encountered Abraham's laughter of almost doubt, and we've had Sarah's laughter of almost cynicism. But look at verse six. This is this is laughter. The child's here. You know, this is the laughter of joy. What's Sarah? Sarah is over the moon about this. God has Fulfilled her promise, this promise. She is jumping for joy. Now, here's the thing let us take all of that, let's bring it together. Because I really hope that you see tonight how the emphasis in Genesis here on the trustworthiness of God, I hope you see how that can have an impact on your life this coming week trustworthiness of god because i would imagine that we're all in the same boat in so much as that we we have worries about this week and we've got problems and we've got all of us i'm sure have got things that we are going through but what we've got to see from genesis 21 is that we shouldn't in those things be looking to ourselves for some sort of you know Inner strength or some such common phrase that instead of that that we should be looking to God. That through these problems and trials, that we look to a God who is, look, He's faithful. God is absolutely reliable. God reading here that God is a God who fulfills his promises to his people. Isn't that fantastic? But we need a bit more because in practice how do we do that how do we just oh i'm going to trust in a trustworthy god in practice what do we do well we have to avoid making the same mistakes that abraham and sarah made right in this sort of intermediate period between chapter 12 and chapter 21 i mean they made loads of mistakes didn't they they got a promise from god but what they doubted that promise from god they didn't trust in Remember, they tried to manipulate God. They tried and they got Hagar on board and Ishmael. We shouldn't walk like that. We have to trust, trust in our God. Why? Well, because one, there is a time set for our ultimate blessing as Christians. There is a time where God is not just going to heed us that he is going to fulfill his promise to bless eternally his people there is a day set for that and then two. that day will bring with it inexpressible unimaginable joy for god's people friends what we see here is that god is absolutely dependable he promised this birth and here's Isaac. He's here. We see the trustworthiness of our God. Okay, secondly, we've seen the trustworthiness of God. In Genesis 21, we also see the compassion of God. I'll tell you what we'll do. We're going to pass over uh, very quickly all the sort of detail in the middle section of this chapter but you know we will come back to it in a a minute or two now in my experience one of the most dangerous topics for anyone to talk about is how best to raise children isn't it you know if you value your health you don't say to a mother or you don't say to a parent that they're raising their children badly you don't give sort of pointers do you why not? Well, everybody thinks they know best when it comes to raising children. And practices vary across the world. Now, I think that's what we've got here with Sarah. Because we've looked at that first section. But as we move into the second section of, of the chapter, what we find is that this little baby, Isaac, is no longer a baby. So get, make sure you get that right in the second section. Isaac's not a little baby anymore. What are, we, what are we told? He's weaned. So he's now an infant. Now, in that culture at the time, that would mean that Isaac is here about three, probably just over three years old. And you see what they do? They have a party. <laughs> That's what they do to celebrate Isaac coming into sort of infancy. They hold a, a, a party. But do you see that it's a party for Ishmael, so we've got Isaac, Ishmael's the other child. It's a party where Ishmael, who isn't a lot older, he's maybe 16 or 17 years old. Do you see what he does? He mocks this little baby. He mocks this little three-year-old. Now, in some ways it's quite surprising that we're not told more about that mocking. There's not a lot there, but Paul in the New Testament tells us that what happened there was that Ishmael, the older kid, persecuted Isaac. Now, I guess it's not much of a stretch to see why Ishmael would have persecuted Isaac. See, it's a party, but why are they having a party? They're having a party because this little baby has survived being a baby okay survives this this the few sort of vulnerable years of of life they are having a party think about this they are having a party really to celebrate the fact that Isaac supplants Ishmael as Abraham's heir so do you see why it is that the Ishmael's angry and, and crucially what we see is because of this mockery Ishmael and Hagar his mum are sent out into the wilderness. They're sent out into the desert where things just go from bad to oh. worse. And I guess I don't know if you like westerns or not. I know Ayesha likes any Clint Eastwood uh, western. Well, it's like a scene from a western, isn't it? You know what westerns are like. The sort of main protagonist they'll get. I don't know. He, he's lost his horse and he's wandering about the desert and he's got a water bottle. it's kind of run out of water and he's in a whole lot of trouble look at this hagar in the wilderness runs out of water now is this not so poignant she runs out of water and she sits her child down and she has to walk away she is unable to watch him die so that's fine but where are we going with this well, what we need to see here is the great care that God has for these people at this point. Do you see the compassion of it all? I mean, they're, they're in the wilderness, Hagar and Ishmael, and they're both dying of thirst, very literally. And they are both, we're told in Scripture, crying. They're sobbing. And although the NIV doesn't tell us this, What happens is that Ishmael, sitting by this bush, 16-year-old boy, crying about to die, what he does is he prays. He calls out to God. Now, here's what I'm going to put you all on the spot. Here's some Bible trivia question for you, okay? Are you on your toes? This will test whether you've been listening to the sermons over the last couple of weeks, okay? Can you remember what ishmael's name means do you remember what it was remember his name means the lord hears you see the fulfillment of it he cries out to god and what happens god does hear and the lord not only assures him of his survival and his mother's survival but what does the lord do he reveals a well. He saves them. They can drink from the well. What we've also got to see here, and this is the, the main point, is that here we see not only God's care, but God's care for people who make stupid mistakes. Don't we? I mean, that's what we've got here. Think about Ishmael, what it must have been like for him sitting Beneath this bush. He must have been saying, Lord, why did I do that? He must have thought, why did I persecute that little boy? Why was I so sinful? Why what got inside me that I would do such a nasty thing to this kid? You see, he's thinking, why have I made such a stupid mistake? And isn't that situation very, very true for for us, that our mistakes, our sinful errors have the same effect as they have for Ishmael. That the sins, the stupid things that we do, they push us out into the spiritual wilderness, don't they? We make a mistake and we find ourselves in a spiritual desert. We think, Lord, there is no way after I've done that that you are going to hear me. There is no way after I've made this mistake that you are ever, ever going to have me back and forgive me. But what we learn from Genesis 21, if we learn anything, is if we call to God, just like Ishmael does under this bush here, not only is God going to hear our cry, but he's going to do what he did there. He will provide a revelation, a revelation that forgiveness for those mistakes is available it is forgiveness available in the well of living water that is jesus christ if you are in a situation where you are in that spiritual desert bemoaning the mistakes and the sins you've made you call it god because what will happen in jesus christ The Lord hears. He will hear you in Christ. So we've seen the trustworthiness. We've seen the compassion. We close tonight. The third thing. And it is the salvation of God. Trustworthiness. (laughs) Compassion. The salvation of God. And here I feel like a sort of a reckless joiner. a reckless tradesman because what we're going to do here is we're going to go back over what we've already covered to address a problem or to address a concern because let's face it we need to ask why it was that ishmael and hagar were allowed by god to be sent out into the wilderness no did you not think that when we're reading How can they be allowed to be sent out into the wilderness like this? So what have we got? Well, we've seen that Ishmael mocks Isaac. But did you notice that it was Sarah? It was Sarah that wants Ishmael punished. It is Sarah that asks Abraham to get rid of Ishmael. Get rid of him. Get rid of this woman, Hagar. Get them out of my sight. And then you must have noticed abraham's reaction to that i mean the man's broken by this like this is his son that he is sending out into the desert we've seen in a previous chapter that abraham loved 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 ishmael and now he has to send him away out of his family look twice we're told how distressed abraham is by this and so it's incredibly surprising or we are supposed to be surprised when we read this and we see God's reaction Abraham turns to God he's distressed he's in tears my son was to go that's what Sarah wants and what does God do God sides not with Abraham God goes with Sarah you see Sarah's attitude was wrong wasn't it I mean, Sarah was angry and she's bitter with Hagar and she's hating Ishmael. But what do we know about God? We know that God can use even our evil for good. And it was within God's purposes to have this family separated like this. So the question remains, why did God allow this to happen? Well, I think it comes down to one thing. God permitted this sending away because these kids, Ishmael and Isaac, represent different lines, lines that God wanted to be shown as separate. You see, think about Ishmael. We've just seen that he was blessed in the desert and he's given water. But this is temporal, temporary Blessing for Ishmael. His life is saved, great, but that is nothing compared with the blessing that God has bestowed upon Isaac. Ishmael is just the natural seed of Abraham, whereas we're supposed to see Isaac's different. This little three year old kid, he is the child of promise, he is the spiritual seed of Abraham. And we can see these two children as sort of types or representatives, can't we? I mean, that's how Paul sees them in the New Testament. Paul writes to the church of Galatia and he he, he sees them as types. He says there that Ishmael, because of his mother's status as a slave, Ishmael stands as a representative for everyone who is in bondage and then Paul writes about Isaac, and he says, because of her, her, his mother's status as a free woman, that Isaac stands as a representative of all the people who are free in Jesus Christ. So, do you see this sending of Ishmael into the wilderness? It is allowed; it is permitted by God to illustrate that there is a special covenant line, a line that will carry on, that will create a nation, a line that will reach its fulfillment in the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. But we end with this, okay? Maybe you think that's not enough. Maybe you still think, even after the reasons why he was sent away, and maybe even though you see god 's grace to Ishmael when he was sent away, maybe you 're sitting there thinking, "No, this is too harsh by God that He would allow Ishmael and Hagar to be sent away. Do you think it 's too harsh? If so, see that the the hurt that Abraham felt there in sending away his son into the wilderness, it was nothing compared with what the heavenly father experienced. As he sent his son, like the scapegoat in Leviticus 17, he sent his son into the wilderness into inevitable death. See, all the Misery. Imagine Hagar. See all of her pain. And she puts her son down. Unable to watch him. Struggling without water. Unable to watch him die. It is nothing compared to our father. Who had to, because of our sin, watch. He had to watch as his son thirsted and died do you see it the thing of note in genesis 21 it isn't the sending of ishmael into the wilderness the thing of note is that in choosing a line of promise god always knew that this would mean the death of his own son do you see that the thing of note isn't ishmael away there in the desert The thing and note, the thing that, that is amazing is this provision of a child of promise. So I'd ask you to ask yourself tonight very carefully and very, very prayerfully, where is it you stand this evening? Where do you stand? Do you stand behind Ishmael? Because you're bondage to sin? Or do you stand this evening because of the salvation of God? Do you stand behind Isaac? Ask yourself, I urge you. Tonight, do you stand in Christ? Let's pray.